Dreamsofamedia.com presents... When will I learn? The answer to life's problems aren't at the bottom of a bottle. <laughs> They're on Noiseland Arcade. With Craig WK. He's just a little shy because I've tried to kill him so many times. And Sean, the arcade phantom. An underachiever. And yet he seems to be... How should I put this? Proud of it? They're violent and they distract you from your schoolwork. Well, time to hit the books. Welcome to Noiseland Arcade. I am Craig WK. With me, as always, is Sean the Arcade Phantom. Craig, how's it going? Uh, doing great, uh, especially because we have a special guest with us. Well, maybe they'll give me a pony because you won't give me one. You're right. You don't deserve one. With us is The Glitch. Hey, everyone. It's Glitch from uh, Legend of Retro. Great to have you, buddy. I... Uh, Glitch specifically requested this episode, Lisa's Pony. Uh, so we definitely wanted to uh, you know, get him on here and chat about it. Sean, when did this episode first air? This episode first aired November 7th, 1991. Yeah, so after breaking a promise with Lisa and making her upset, Homer decides to get his daughter the present she's always wanted, a pony. Every little girl wants. That's what I want. Why won't you give me a pony? <laughs> because I see love in your eyes, so you ain't getting squat. <laughs> What did you guys want when you were kids? I wanted a snake. Uh, like like like, like as a far pet. as pet? Yeah. Uh, I got most of the pets I wanted. I liked cats. We had a cat. And when I started getting into reptiles, I got a snake. I got frogs and amphibians okay. and I stuff. I like dogs. I got a dog. Although gifts that I wanted, when we were actually walking into the studio, the Glitch and I both saw something that we wanted as a child. Oh, yeah? Pow, pow, power wheels. Yeah, that's right. There was a kid down the street riding around in one of those, uh, you know, little power wheel vehicles. My my cousin had a power wheel, but my mom wouldn't buy me one. Yeah, I never got one either, and I always wanted one. What makes me so mad is my parents now have one from the grandkids. (laughs) What happened when I was a kid? Uh, They love the grandkids way more than you. That's what happened. It's not fair. It's No one ever said life would be fair. Also, it's like my mom always says, life is a never-ending torrent of misery. Speaking of misery, you got any news there, Craig? <laughs> I do. Are you ready for like like some just real heavy stuff right off the bat? Yeah, go for it, and I'll cheer everybody up afterwards. That's, that's usually how it goes. So, Republican president, at, around, uh, at about this time this episode aired, a Republican president, George Bush, claimed that he'd rather vote Democratic than vote for the man running as a Republican for uh, for governor of Louisiana. And so I saw the name and, you know, I'm looking at the Detroit Free Press's old, old, you know, documents and stuff. And I'm like, man, that name's familiar. Why do I know that name? I feel like there's something about that name I need to hate. And I don't remember why. So I did some research and I immediately found when I searched the name David Duke. Uh. David Duke, former Grand Dragon of the KKK, Holocaust denier, (laughs) and general shithead, claimed he was a born-again Christian and he was going to be the governor of Louisiana. He ran against Edwin Edwards, uh, who was not a great governor, uh, but at least he wasn't David Duke. In fact, one of the bumper stickers that was going around at that time was Vote for the Criminal. What? Yeah, because this this guy, uh, this uh, Edwards, 
was legitimately a criminal. He like did he committed crimes like in office. But his competitor was David Duke. So people were like, yeah, no, he's a criminal, but just go ahead and vote for him because it's going to be way better. Wow. So, yeah, right? So, I mean, but what politician hasn't murdered? So, <laughs> well, they, I'm, yeah, yeah, <laughs> so I, my, how times have changed. Uh, so, uh, during his, his uh, campaign, he had mentioned uh, in interviews that the Holocaust was a myth. That Auschwitz physician Joseph Mengele was a medical genius and a whole bunch of just ridiculous nonsense. A monster. Right? <laughs> this guy's insane. So, uh, oh, and also he was literally selling Nazi literature from his office. Like, literally selling Nazi, Nazi literature. My, like, how times have changed. <laughs> <laughs> he lost, but the kind of dark supervillain thing of, the, of all this is that. Even though he lost, he claimed victory because he said that a majority of the whites voted for him, and he took pleasure in that. Yeah. Wow. What a piece <laughs> of shit. Uh-huh. I will straight up say it. Oh, yeah. Piece of shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. David Duke is garbage. He's a garbage human being. If you're listening to this and you're like, I don't know. I didn't think David Duke was that bad. Maybe you shouldn't be listening to Noise Light Arcade. Maybe you should be listening to, oh, I don't know, some kind of racist mutterings on some other nasty podcast. I don't even know. So, Sean, what what do you got for us? So, November 1991, Nintendo finally released a sequel to Metroid, Metroid 2, The Return of Samus. Oh, on the Game Boy. Yep. Solid game. Solid game, but it has its flaws when you look back at it. It was actually recently remade. Oh, on the 3DS. Yes, Samus Returns. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is a much smoother game. There's also another Metroid 2 remake, which is the fan-made game that remakes the game in basically a super Metroid style. Oh, yeah. And Nintendo did like a cease and desist and yes. got rid of that, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, but yeah. you can still download that. Okay. And I highly recommend it if you're a Metroid fan. It is by far the superior game. Well, I'll be danged. Uh, Glitch, what do you have for us as far as like history of what was going on in that uh, time? Yeah, I looked up what the number one song at the time was. Yeah. And the song was Romantic by Karen White. Have you guys heard of that song? I think I know that song. Oh. I, I feel like it's it's something where like I'm like it, it I feel like it's one of those songs where I'm like I would hear it and be like, Oh yeah, I totally know that. Yeah, that's what I thought. Until you... I listened to it. <laughs> really? And my wife and I had no idea what song that was. And it was Romantic by Karen White? Yeah, and it's spelled K A R Y N hmm. White. Uh, lyrics, take me in your arms, caress me gently, oh, I can't get enough, oh, thrill this is me, creepy. Have you read this song? Yeah, I was expecting <laughs> less, uh, less was, eroticism. So we played it, it's kind of like a Whitney Houston ripoff. Oh. Yeah. Was it in a movie at the time? Is that why it was the number you know, one song? I didn't look to see if it said anything about that. Like, yeah, if it was on, like, a soundtrack. Yeah, that's the only that's thing I could popular. think of, because right, right. I have no clue what the song is. Never uh, it. Yeah, it's, uh, uh... I don't think it was in a movie. I'm not seeing anything related to that. Uh, it was on the album Ritual of Love. And yeah, it, it was just on its own. Oh, be danged. Huh. Interesting. The 90s were a magical time. <laughs> magical is not exactly the word I would use. Because it um, kicked, it was a Mariah Carey song that it booted off at the number one spot. Oh, uh, Emotions. Oh. Yeah. It surpassed that, you know, passed that one to get to the number one spot. Interesting. Huh. huh. Well, I tell you what, let's dive into the episode. So right off the bat, we have a reference that I'm sure Sean is dying to tell us about. You mean the reference to 2001 A Space Odyssey? Mm-hmm. So Homer basically 
imagines himself as one of the monkeys from 2001, where they find the obelisk, and they all basically are granted intelligence through it. It shows the evolution of man. Mm-hmm. And Homer's monkey decides, nope, I'm going to take a nap on that. Yeah, yeah. It plays like the music from the movie, and it's all really dramatic. And then it cuts to, the dream sequence cuts into him sleeping, of course, at his terminal in Sector 7G. And a phone rings, is that right? Yes, a phone yep. rings. That's what wakes him up. <laughs> yeah, that's right. As he wakes up. <laughs> so, I... Uh, so Lisa t- compl- uh, tells him that she broke her reed on her saxophone and that he needs to get a new one. You know, she she's, you know, uh, uh, really needs this. And when Ho- and Homer's like, well, I mean, isn't this something you normally ask your mother about? She then tells him that she tried to go through not only her mother, Marge, she tried calling Ned Flanders, Patty and Selma, Dr. Hibbert, Reverend, Reverend Lovejoy and the nice man who caught the snake in their basement. And he said, and Homer is honestly really kind of happy he's like wow after all those people you could have called anybody <laughs> in the world you called me so lisa asks homer if he remembers what night it is and he says of course honey it's the talent show night and he's got it marked on his calendar so i want to talk about that calendar for a second oh i actually have a lot of stuff on I, that calendar. i have a ton on that calendar <laughs> so <laughs> um the calendar is miss atomic pile for those who don't know an atomic pile was an early nuclear reactor fueled by uranium and moderated with uh, graphite quotients Mm-hmm. So the talent show takes place on November twelfth, uh huh, which is a Thursday. If you assume the calendar starts on Sunday, yep, uh huh. So that calendar would mean that this would take place in nineteen ninety two. If this was a real calendar, the you mean nineteen eighty two? Nineteen eighty two or ninety two? Ninety two works. So it could be the year after this episode. Uh huh. Yeah. So. That could give us a time frame. However, uh-huh. this cheaply made calendar only goes up to November 27th because November 21st is repeated on this calendar. Mm-hmm. It goes 19th. It's covered by a note. 20 and 21 would be behind it. And then the 21 is right after it. Yep. Is that all the stuff you noticed about this calendar? Because I was just in hysterics, paused on this. Yeah, I I didn't realize I would spend so much time on this calendar looking up stuff on how to figure out the dates of like when things fall. And yeah, uh huh, yeah, that is uh that is the case. I, uh, but I, uh, so, so Homer writes. Yeah, on his shoe. On, on his, his shoe. shoe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he has like a little a little hole in the bottom of the sole that says "fix this" with a note next to it. <laughs> Have ever, either of you guys ever had shoes that have had holes in them? Yes. Yeah, I, I have. Honestly, I think every pair of shoes, I wear them until my feet bust through them. Yeah, I wore a pair of shoes to work that I had duct taped together to keep them together. <laughs> and they had holes in them. And if you walked in any kind of water, your just socks were soaked. Gross. That is like the worst feeling ever. Yeah, in fact, I'm busting through these ones I'm wearing. <laughs> nice. <right now>. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Homer writes down four and a half read and, you know, hangs up. I, uh, the meanwhile, the uh, you know this talent show is beginning, and Skinner alerts everybody that he's locked the doors uh, doors to make sure that the parents don't leave after their own kid <laughs> plays. Which sounds like a fire hazard. Oh, that is totally a fire hazard. <laughs> but uh, and illegal. Uh, I'm wondering, is this because of uh, Homer in the episode Bart the Daredevil? when he grabbed Lisa out of the assembly and just ran with her while she was still taking a bow? Oh, could be. Oh, could be. I yeah. didn't think about that until yeah. you brought that up. Uh, Skinner also warns that you know the first f- uh, five rows will get wet, and they, all the parents look very uncomfortable by that. Now, what is he referring to there? 
it I think it's supposed to like because the that's a something that's you know warned of people at like Gallagher shows you yeah. know like with like the busting the watermelon and like you know like crazy you know antics and stuff but none of the kids do anything where that would come into play that yeah. we see we don't see all the kids in this talent show that's true though we do see a list later and we do catch most of those names yeah. so maybe actually uh one of the names uh we didn't see their assemb- uh, their show so maybe it what did uh did have water uh and there's technically another kid Lisa's talking on the phone and there's a kid doing like you know the crystal glasses with water where you yeah. run your finger around them we don't ever see him perform and we know the name of the person who also, who's also on the list? So there must be another list. I yeah, guess. I think there's a second. Well, Lisa's not. We'll find out later. Lisa's not on that list. Yeah. So, there so must obviously, be, there yeah. must be a second list. That's right. I. Uh, so so I got a problem with mm-hmm. this scene. I'm gonna bring it up to you guys. Uh huh. So Lisa called everyone for that four and a half read. Uh huh. Yep. There's a judge to this competition. Uh huh. Who might have been able to help her out? Yep. I don't, I don't know. Maybe he's a friend of hers. Bleeding Gums Murphy is one of the judges. Yep. Bleeding Gums Murphy is one of the judges, and now there's technically two kinds of saxophone, though, so maybe he has a different one? True. Maybe? But maybe he could go and get it for her? Well, here's the other thing, too. She called Ned Flanders. Who's in the audience? Yes. Maybe she called not realizing he would show up and he was already on the way over. Because you know Ned Flanders would have done it for her. That's why I don't get why she just doesn't ask him. I mean, well, no, because the doors are locked. Oh, she can't ask him to go get it now because the doors are locked. She, he can't leave. Good point. Like literally cannot leave, which is scary. Homer, though, heads to King Toots Music Store, which is right next door to Most Tavern. And we will see throughout the series that it is King Toots Music Store is always next to Most Tavern. Did you guys ever play the game Simpsons Tapped Out? And it was a cell phone game. No. Where you could lay out your own. No, uh, but Simpsons? my brother got really into it. When I got King Toots. Right next to Moe's. I had, I had to build it that way. No pun intended, but that's music to my ears. Uh, Wasn't King Toots, and correct me if I'm wrong, because this is a fan fiction season, uh-huh. but Glitch might know it better, in Lisa's sex, wasn't it across the street from Moe's in that episode? I'm not sure. Because I think mm-hmm. it's next to the air conditioning store, and isn't it across the street from Moe's? Hmm. I'd have to look back at that episode. I need to look back at that, but in my memory yeah. it is, and my memory might be playing tricks on me. Interesting. And it might just be fan fiction to Craig. <laughs> it's all fan fiction to me. So King Toots Music Store, right next door to Moe's. And so Homer looks at the music store. It closes at 7. He looks at his watch. It's 6.55. The show is at 7. And he decides he has time for a beer. Because Homer is an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. And, and a shitty father. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Not great. Oh, yeah. Not great. So he goes in and he's like, quick, Mo, give me a beer. And Mo's like, well, why don't you just go next door and get the thing first? He's like, hey, do I tell you how to do your job? And he's like, sorry, Homer. And he's like, you know, if you tilt the glass, you won't get as much foam on top. Sorry, Homer. Which is true. Uh, that is true. Yeah. Yeah. That is that is the case. Yeah. What, a, what is Mo doing? Pouring that glass straight. Well, we find out that that Ned Flanders has like a degree in mixology, and Mo does not. So Mo is just some sleazy guy who's using the bar as a front for his criminal activity. He's got those pandas in the back, <laughs> or maybe a whale. Shamu. Yeah, or uh, an orca. I should say, <laughs> not a whale. Ah, jeez, who'd have thought a whale was so heavy? I uh, and I uh, I uh, so. It cuts back to the uh, assembly, and 
it, the the three judges are like you said, uh, Bleeding Gums Murphy, as well as Lunch Lady Doris and Groundskeeper Willie, and they're not very enthused about what's going on uh, uh, right now. I uh, because what are the what is they what do they say? Millhouse is playing the spoons. Oh yeah, which is like that's that is like the most. Millhouse thing you could do, right? He's yeah, playing and, the spoons. And we get one of my favorite Skinner lines in this entire episode. Oh, they get worse every year. <laughs> and then he walks on the stage and he's like, wow, I think this is the best talent show we've ever had. I love the his inflection, too, when he's like, I think they get better every year. I really do. He's like, just the way he says that, he sounds so fake as he says it. I love it. Uh, back at the bar, Homer, deci- or Homer realizes that he has 15 whole seconds to spare. And he gets next door, and it's locked up. And Homer's, like, smashing his head into the bar, and he's just freaking out. And the guy's like, what's the matter, bub? And Homer's like, the moron next door closed early. And he's like, I happen to be that moron. And Homer yells out maybe one of the weirdest things I've ever heard him yell. Me and my trenchant mouth. Trenchant is a, a, a word that means vigorous or incisive in expression or style, like like a sharp or cutting tongue. And, like... That's just, I feel like that's, like, why does Homer yell that? It's kind of funny, just that because it's so out of character, but, like, you know, Homer hasn't been listening to the tape that, like, it expands his word power, like, later in the series. Has he been? Maybe this episode takes place after that. My God, maybe you're right. But he's uh, not using it correctly. Well, yeah, it's trenchant. It's me and my trenchant mouth. He's He, he sharply was, like, insulting oh, yeah, this I guy, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's... He probably could have used a better word, like me and my stupid mouth. You know, that would have been made a little bit more sense, I think, for the situation. It made more sense for his character, but whatever. Uh, so, yeah, Skinner, you know, is complaining that, you know, the kids suck. Millhouse plays the spoons. Bart Simpson comes out, and he's the boy of a thousand voices. And how did nobody see this coming? Like, how did nobody see this coming? He's just like, duh, I'm Principal Skinner. <laughs> you know, and like every, all the kids laugh. Did you guys see the parents' expression? No. They, they, the parents in the crowd look kind of mortified. The next time you go to the episode, just look at the parents' expressions because they look angry. They look exceedingly, or just incredibly bad. But not everybody's angry at this because he impersonates Lunch Lady Doris. Oh, <laughs> yes. And he's like, you know, what is it like, fried poop sandwich or something? Creamed crap. Yeah, something like that. And I uh, and Bleeding Gums Murphy's just like, <laughs> and he gives him a tap. <laughs> I love that scene. It's so quick, but it makes me love Bleeding Gums Murphy. Even yeah, so more. that's when we see the list. Oh yeah, yeah. Do you so have the list in points? Yeah, Kim has three. Martin has six. Who we didn't see Martin perform. Uh-huh. Uh, Millhouse gets five. Bart gets a 10, because Bleeding Gums Murphy loves that joke. Uh-huh. And then it looks like we got Sherry and Terry next. And we do see their act in the background. Yeah, and honestly, like... Their Kim, act's the best. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, Kim, like, Kim is, you know, like, the, the one kid who the, everyone's bored about, you know. He stacked a bunch of chairs on top of each other and was, like, doing gymnastics. He was doing, like, like, a balancing act. Yeah, that was honestly impressive. And they're like, oh, the kids get worse every year. And it's like, did you... Yeah, how did he get a three? They did not like that. You better put those chairs back in the gymnasium. I mean it. So, Homer's trying to convince this guy who we only know is Jer, presumably Jerry, 
that you know he he should you know he's like well I want you to see a picture of the little girl you're disappointing and he goes through his wallet and he's like well I don't have his picture or her picture. Mo then says like come on Jan remember that time I saved you and your wife from a burning car and he's like okay okay but now we're even <laughs> which I love. So we hear we have a goof here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Homer is going to read or he's going to look at his shoe and yeah. say what read he needs because he, he says, well, what, is, what does she need? He pulls up his right foot. Oh, but earlier it was the left? He wrote it on his left foot. Ah. Maybe he wrote it on both? Nah, yeah, error. Error for sure. So the guy asks, you know, all right, what instrument, you know, four and a half read. And the guy's like, okay, well, what instrument does your daughter play? And Homer's like, I don't know. Which is not a great sign to him being a good dad. He's not a very good dad in this episode at all. Cuts to Sherry and Terry, hucking knives at this like wheel, <laughs> blindfolded and stuff. And I uh, and Lisa's freaking out. She goes to her mom in the crowd and she's like, you know, mom, what am I gonna do? You know, I, I'm I'm gonna be on soon. Where's where's dad at? And Marge goes through the list. Flat tire is a maybe, bear attack is a no, alien experimentations is a long shot, drinking beer is a bingo. Which Marge knows her. Yeah, she was right. Uh, she she knows her husband. I, to, in order to remember what instrument she plays, Homer starts to yell and he goes, "Lisa, stop playing that stupid saxophone. That's it." <laughs> and then the guy's like, "Alto, alto, alto, or tenor." And he's like, "Oh." As uh, Jer's pointing out the instruments, Homer's watch uh, disappears. Oh, it just it like vanishes. It so it's just, it's just not there in the scene until a little bit later because he's he's wearing the watch throughout the entire yeah. bar scene. Because a couple like they're gonna miss that watch at some point. <laughs> I know. I just gotta watch this. And then sure enough, when they went into King Toots, God. watch isn't there. Maybe Homer and then it reappears. Maybe Homer gets uncomfortable and takes it off. Sure. What do you gotta say? Whatever helps you, Greg. So, uh, by the way, a uh, quick note, the alto sax is smaller, its notes are higher and brighter than those of the tenor sax, and the tenor sax produces a mellow, rich, and deep sound. And then a kid cuts back to the, you know, the talent show, and the kid's like, my ding-a-ling, my ding-a-ling, I want you to play with my ding-a-ling, and Skinner's like, this act is over! Did you guys know that's a real song? I did. I did. Yeah, my dad was a big Chuck Berry fan. Really? Yep. Interesting. Uh, do you have the info on that song? Or you want me to lay it on? Uh, you go. Oh, sure. I'll see sure. what you got. So uh, it was written by Dave Bartholomew in 1952, but was made popular by Dave Chuck by Berry. Mar- Bartholomew. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you don't hear that name very often. You don't know. I. Uh, yeah, it was uh, written in 1952, popularized by Chuck Berry in 72. Uh, and that's about all I have. It's just that it's a real song because I I almost thought like it was just from The Simpsons. So that's his only number one hit. Really? Yeah. And I was amazed to find out because I was like, oh, look at his chart history. Johnny Be Good, which I feel like is the most popular oh, song, yeah. right? I mean, we all know that song. That is like his 14th most po- like highest rated song on the chart. Now, do we all know the song because of Back to the Future? Is that what made it so popular in pop I mean, I know culture? it because of my dad. I feel like I, I probably might have heard it from him before I saw that movie, but maybe. You might be right. That might have made it popular. Yeah. yeah brought it back into... The mainstream. Did you know yeah, that? it was only ranked like in the 80th, like something. Did you guys know that that kid has a name? Oh, what's the kid's name? The kid's name is Chuck Berger, and he shows up in a couple different episodes. 
So I'm going to read you some scenes so see if you guys can know who he is. Okay. This is a kid who loves a good Wrigley walk. Uh, very Wrigley. Uh, his father is very hard on him because his father designed a um, volcano. Can I can I touch it? No. That's the... Oh, what episode is that? Uh, that's the one where the guy is like, go over there. He's like, further! And he like points like uh, like off into the room. What uh, Do you uh, have the episodes written down? I don't have the episodes written down. Okay, just the scenes. And he's also in Lisa's class because his talent is that he can flip his eyelids up. I was thinking he's the kid with the gross oh, yeah. eyelid uh, trick. Yeah, Ugh. substitute episode. Yeah, uh, Lisa's substitute, exactly. So Homer is at the school. He finally has what he needs, and he's running down. Uh, well, actually, before that even happens, Lisa starts playing Stormy Leather. I mean weather. <laughs> and uh, uh, the song is not turning out very good. By the way, Stormy Weather is a song from 1933. It was first performed by Ethel Waters. Nelson laughs at Lisa. Duck, uh, a nice traditional ha-ha Joe, uh, laugh. Uh, Willie says that it sounds like a gopher he once caught in his lawnmower. And Lisa starts crying as then Homer comes in uh, saying, Oh, I'd hate to be that kid's father. And then... He opens the door, and Lisa's that kid. Oh, he opened the door? You mean the locked doors? Maybe it's unlocked from his side? Hmm. That or Skinner was lying. I don't know. <laughs> so I'm assuming it's a one-way locked door, mm-hmm. because I've dealt with doors like that. But every school I've ever been in, they've had to take a chain to lock the doors. Oh, yeah. Yeah, all the, those weird like push-bar doors. Yeah. Yeah, you had to like lock them with like chains and stuff. Huh. Hmm. That's just a weird thought, locking school doors with a chain, right? Yeah, that's a little uncomfortable. Homer claps alone, and uh, Lisa is very upset. Understandably so. Uh, It then comes to another scene, and it's uh, maybe the next day. We're not sure how much time has passed. But uh, Homer and Lisa are at Phineas Q. Butterfat's 5,600 Flavors of Ice Cream Parlor. Which is nonsense, <laughs> utter nonsense. There are there. I'm, I'm you know there are as many flavors in the world in, in ice cream as you know you can imagine. Of course, because you can make whatever you want into ice cream. But as far as popularized flavors go, nah, nah. What's Baskin Robbins? Thirty one. Thirty one. Thirty one. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing I can think is that they somehow were like, well, we have hot fudge, we have nuts, we have cherries, we have all these extra add-ons. I guess if you start manipulating the math, like how many flavor combinations can we make? I might buy that. I might buy that one. But they get the Mountain Bellyache. <laughs> Which sounds amazing. Which costs them $88. $88 on ice cream is a lot of money. But honestly... I feel like that's a bargain for the amount of ice cream he got. Yeah, oh, it is a bargain for the amount, but man, I have a hard time spending like five, six bucks on a pint of Ben and Jerry sometimes. It, I mean, I love ice cream, but like, yeah, it's expensive stuff. Yeah, because even like the cheapest gallon, like no name brand will still cost you like six bucks. Yeah, ice cream's expensive for sure. Homer apologizes. Lisa takes a bite and she's like, I'm full. <laughs> and Homer's like, oh, and that Homer. cost $88. Uh-huh. Well, yeah. Homer is, tries to make a heartfelt apology. And Lisa's like, yeah, I accept your apology. And he's like, you didn't mean that. And she's like, you're right, I didn't. <laughs> and she's just super upset with him. And Homer can't get through to him. He can't get through to her. It then cuts to 
the uh, uh, him at home, and he's watching videotapes that they recorded of Lisa. And in when Lisa has her first steps, Marge is like, Homer, Homer, look, it's her first steps. And he's like, he's like, ah, you, you recording it? She's like, yeah. And he's like, ah, I'll watch it later. Did you see what he was watching? Was it I, Fantasy Island? Yep. Okay, <laughs> that's what I thought Island. it was. I have some info on Fantasy Island if you want it. Yeah, go ahead. Shoot. Deplane, deplane. <laughs> uh, which, by the way, the quote in this scene is kind of really mean. Did you guys hear what he says? I just heard the deplane part. He goes, deplane, deplane. And he goes, no, my freakish little friend, that's a seagull. <laughs> which is really mean that he Holy calls him my freakish little friend. Uh, Fantasy Island was an American television series that aired from 77 to 84. It starred Ricardo Montalban. Am I pronouncing that right? Ricardo Montalban. Montalban yeah, yeah. Uh, is the mysterious Mr. Rorick and Hervé uh, Villachez. Villachez. I yeah, I don't know that one. Uh, he, as his assistant, Tattoo, who was also Nick Knack in Man with the Golden Gun, uh, James Bond movie. Uh, guests are, are granted so-called fantasies on the island for a price. You know, it's always a heavy price. Uh, almost reminded me of like the devil, it, some kind it, of Faustian covenant kind of Faustian. type thing. Yeah. You learn like yeah. a lesson from your wish. Did you happen to see what it said on the the tape player? Uh, no. So it said beta, which makes me think that this tape was a Betamax. I mean, there is a point where Snake is running outside the Simpsons house and goes, "Oh no, beta!" Well, there you go. So yeah, they, they might have been using Betamax instead of VHS. Uh, Betamax was the higher quality format of the two of them. For our listeners who don't know what a VHS tape even is, it's a magnetic recording on a tape that shows film, mm -hmm. and Beta was just a stronger version of it. But it didn't hold as much on a tape. Correct. So tapes, uh, Beta tapes could only hold an hour's worth, oh. or VHS could hold two. So like if you got a Betamax version of a movie, it was probably on multiple tapes. I gotcha. That'd be a pain in the butt. I never had beta when I was a kid. I had VHS. Yeah, I've never experienced beta. I have a beta player. <laughs> you would. I, I enjoy old technology. I have a Laserdisc player, too. So things like that, I just enjoy <laughs> collecting. Laserdisc. Are you the master beta? I am the master beta. Um. Anyway. <laughs> so <laughs> The look on your face. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad I got to look over and see that. So, anyhow. Homer, uh, another scene. Uh, you know, Lisa's what? I... Uh, Oh, what was she doing the next time? In the next scene, she's doing something else, and uh, Homer's like, not now, Marge, I'm busy, and he's strangling Bart. I don't remember what Lisa was doing, but it was something touching and very important. And so after Homer watches these tapes, he breaks down, and Marge's idea doesn't really make him very happy, because she says, Homer, if you want to repair your relationship with your daughter, you're going to have to spend some time with her. And he's like, oh, Okay, and he's not thrilled about this in the least. Because Homer's kind of a jerk, and he's self-centered, and he doesn't want to do what other people are into. He wants to just watch TV and eat and just live his life on his own while his kids are just nearby, basically. Yeah. So Homer has a tea party with Lisa, where Bart and Milhouse make fun of him. He blow dries her hair for her. He throws her off a swing set. And Homer decides that maybe he should just cut his losses and move on to Maggie. So those are some weird things for Homer to do with Lisa. I feel like she would want to, I don't know, go to the museum or the library. She's also especially depressed right now. So maybe she just doesn't want to go out. That's why everything's being done at home. That could be. That or Homer's being a little selfish still. And he's like, hey, what do you want to do? And when she's like, well, do you want to go to the museum? He goes, 
nah, let's go ahead and uh, hang out here. I just think it's funny that Homer blow dries her hair the same way that he blow dries Bart's eyes in the general. Yeah, you're yeah. right. He does. I wonder if they used, clearly not the exact same scene because it's Lisa, but I wonder if they used animation cells. I wouldn't be surprised because they actually do reuse scenes in this episode, which we'll get to. Oh, yeah. yeah. I did notice that a few times. Uh, so Marge tells Homer that there's no quick fix, that you know this is something he's going to have to work on. And Homer's like, yeah, you know what, though, Marge? I think that quick fix idea you had was on, you know, pretty spot on there. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't, don't glance over the line. Oh, right. There's, There's a, a line that makes this episode very dated, and yeah, I want to point is. it out. So Homer says, I don't know if I can keep doing this, Marge. If I spend any more time with her, I'm going to go fruity. Homer implies that doing these effeminate things is going to turn him homosexual. That is, uh, didn't really date very well. Shout it was kind of crappy at the time. Shout out to all the fathers out there who will go and put on a dress and hang out with their daughters. You know what? That's good role modelship right there. Absolutely. Because, you know, the alternative is deciding that if you were to do effeminate things that you would become magically homosexual. Which, Homer is kind of an idiot. So, I mean, maybe, you know, maybe that's just sort of in line with that. Well, there's an episode that'll happen that'll help him with those issues. That's true. That's true. Yeah, that's true. We'll get there eventually. I mean, Homer also doesn't, you know, vote because he thinks people who vote are a bit fruity. fruity. <laughs> uh, also, uh, for the record, my note has that quote, and then afterwards it just says, fuck. <laughs> Homer, Craig, Craig was drinking while doing research again. Uh, I was definitely drinking when I did the research <laughs> for this episode. I will admit that. <laughs> so Homer thinks, hey, what if I just get her that pony she's always complaining about? And Marge is like, you can't afford a pony, you dumbass. <laughs> and Homer says, Marge, with today's gasoline prices, we can't afford not to buy a pony. <laughs> and she's like, "Like that doesn't even make sense. That's nonsense. And she's like yelling at him and stuff. And he's like, Marge, when I look in Lisa's eyes, I don't see love. And she's like, you know, that's no excuse for a pony. He's like, even when you yell at me, I can see love in your eyes. He goes, ha ha, you love me. <laughs> and she's like, Homer, I want you to promise not to buy a pony. So, oh, hold I, on. Okay, because I got something. He, well, I just want to finish this out. Uh, she makes him go to promise not to buy a pony. He goes, hmm. And she goes, what was that? And he's like, that. she's like, that's not even a word. And he goes, bah. And she's like, good night. Snuff. Uh, so what were you going to point out? So with today's gas prices, who couldn't afford to buy a pony? Mm -hmm. Do you know the average cost of gas in 1991? Ooh, probably pretty low. I'm going to uh, guess 65 you going to get 65? 85 cents. One dollar and 14 cents. It had just gone above a dollar. Wow. Really? Yeah. So people probably were kind of freaking out about gas prices. That actually kind of fits pretty well. Gas prices started to rise during Desert Storm. Ah. And they went above a dollar. Full circle to all the news we've talked about uh, on the uh, show. Uh, so Homer goes to look for a pony. He goes to a pet store. On the sign it says, you pet it, you bought it. Which is kind of horrible. Did you see the the name of the store? Uh, what was the name of the store? All creatures, great and cheap. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And uh, then the next the next line is one of the best lines in the in the episode. What is that smell? Oh, it's you. <laughs> it's Homer walks up, <laughs> and so Homer asks if he has a pony, and the guy says, "Sure, pal," and he points to uh, uh, you know a cage. And Homer walks up to him and goes and reads the sign. He goes, Scottish Deer Hound, which is $259. And Homer freaks out. 
He's like, hey, this is a dog. And the guy says, oh, my friend, you're smarter than I gave you credit for. And he tells him to go to the pony farm. Take a left at the rendering plants. <laughs> Which, for those who don't know, uh, a rendering plant is uh, a plant that converts packing house waste, or uh, converts uh, house waste, uh, essentially, uh, kitchen grease and livestock carcasses into industrial fats and oils. I mean, that's a convenient spot. It really is. Yeah. It, it is. I mean, it's still a little... It's like having a sweatshop in the bottom of your orphanage. Ooh. Oh. <laughs> oh, you're not wrong, but... It's oh. convenient. Oh. Oh. So Homer goes to the... <laughs> oh, yeah, we're just going <laughs> to skate past that one. Homer goes to the Grateful Gelding Stables, and uh, he is told that uh, uh, there's a pony there that is half a million dollars. Do you know what gelding is? No. Because no. I had to look that up. Yeah, what is it? That is a, a castrated animal. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Grateful it's, gelding? The Grateful Gelding oh. Stables. <laughs> so. Ouch. Yeah, ouch indeed. Uh, so uh, the horse that uh, this lady points out to Homer was sired by Seattle Slough. Uh, and it's, you know, mother won the Kentucky Derby. Uh, so. This Seattle Slough is an actual racehorse. It uh, sired over 1,000 foals. Uh, it won the Triple Crown in 1977, uh, which is when a horse wins the Kentucky Derby, uh, the uh, Peakness, uh, Peakness Stakes, uh, Preakness Stakes, something like that, and Belmont Stakes, which is absolutely the best vampire reference ever, right? Belmont Stakes. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Come on. I. Uh, Oh, uh, yeah, and the mother won the Kentucky Derby. Oh, and it's like this graces a stamp in Tanzania, which, of course, had to do some research. And the only thing I could find is that apparently in 1980, Tanzania made a series of stamps. People think for collectors specifically, because it was sort of like, you know, kind of a, a collector's edition type thing they made that had a bunch of mammals on them. That is the only thing I could find to relate to a horse being on a stamp in Tanzania. But uh, he writes a check, right, for the half a million dollar horse. Yeah, yeah. It post postdates it. Uh, January first, two thousand fifty-four. And the lady says that they will only accept cash up front, and the ponies start at five thousand dollars. Are we closer to that date than the date that episode came out? Oh, I was just thinking that. Oh, oh no, because this is ninety-one. This is ninety-one. So we're 18 years away. So, no, not 28. 20, 20 years 28 away. 28 years away. Uh-huh. Yeah. That would, no. Nope. Nope. That would, nope. That would put us at uh, 35, 35 years. years away. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, we're almost there. <laughs> oh, God. I'm going to be really depressed when we're closer to that date than we are when this episode first aired. I'm going to be depressed when that date hits and I watch that episode. I'll be dead, so I don't worry about it. <laughs> I'm going to live forever as a head in a jar that's attached to a dog. What? I'm going to be in a robot body. I'll be in that robot dog. Wait for me, sir. Ralph, Ralph. Ralph, Ralph. Right. <laughs> uh, Homer asks if there's a pound for cheap ponies that ran away from home. And the woman says, I certainly hope not. And she's not really happy with Homer's antics. So Homer goes to the employee credit union. The nuclear power plant has its own credit union. Uh, to ask about a... Oh, uh, there's a sign that says, ask about paycheck docking plan. 
Burns uh, has to <laughs> approve the loan for $5,000, though. Well, he doesn't have to. Well, it's, you know, just uh, something he does for fun. It's a hobby. Yeah. I. Uh, so Homer uh, asks, he's like, Mr. Burns, you do this personally? And, you know, and, and Burns mentions usury laws, uh, which uh, uh, usury is an illegal action or practice of lending money at an unreasonably high rate of interest. Uh, so, you know, Burns is going to just completely screw over Homer here. Uh, but I, he asks Homer, he's like, oh, like, you know, you want a, the money for a pony. You're going to go into the horsey set. And he's like, that is it, right? You're not planning on eating it, are you? And Homer says, no, 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 no. And Burns lets him know that, because uh, Smithers is asked if he has collateral. And so Burns says that his spirit is collateral. Just sign this form and the money will be yours. <laughs> oh, sorry, I was just um, uh, thinking of something funny Smithers did today. No, I didn't, sir. <laughs> Shut up. Which is another one of my favorite moments of The Simpsons. I just love that he's essentially forging this Faustian pact with Mr. Burns for a pony. I love that Burns does the Homer Bart shut up moment. <laughs> shut up. Shut up. Uh, shut up, boy. So Homer goes and gets the pony and crams it into the backseat of his car. And he's driving. He's like, Simpson, you've done it again as the horse is eating the backseat of his car. Now, there's a movie reference that I think the two of you are probably uh, pretty excited about here, right? Yeah, so we get a nice scene where Lisa's sleeping in bed. Uh-huh. And it's this, you know. It's calm. morning. It's calm. Yeah. And then she flips open the bed sheet, and there's a horse's head, and Lisa screams. Which is in reference a, to the Godfather. Yeah, it's just the pony. It licks her face. Uh, yeah, do you want to fill uh, the listeners in on the, the Godfather? I, don't, I feel like the listeners should know what The Godfather is, and Probably. shame on them for not knowing. But I, I do know off the top of my head, it's a 1972 film by uh, Francis Ford Coppola, starring mm-hmm. Marlon Brando, Al Pacino, uh, James Caan, and oh, I'm so mad I don't know it. Uh, he plays the consigliere. I can't think of his name. But uh, I'm terrible with actors' yeah, names. It's so a don't great film, won Best Picture. Uh, Marlon Brando won Best Actor, which uh, he actually declined to accept because of the way Hollywood was treating uh, Native Americans in film. It's actually a oh, big thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's He's, a fantastic thing to watch. Who accepted his award? Uh, I know it was a Native American. It was I'm not sure. Native American who was driven off her land. I don't remember her name, but she accepted it for the people that were driven off their land. Man, that's heavy. Yeah. So it's a fantastic film. Definitely watch it. So with this scene of, of you know, the, the horse head in the bed, uh, which is a reference, of course, to a scene from The, the Godfather, you know, like, like you said, uh, I have a confession to make. I don't like horses. I thought you were about to say you've never I seen The you Godfather. Say, you've never seen The Godfather. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like horses. Horses kind of creep me out. Really? Yeah. My girlfriend has that same fear of horses. Horses are weird. They're, horses they're are big animals that are bigger than you as a human. Oh, yeah. They're huge. They're enormous. Why would you want a pony? It's just going to grow up to be a monster. So, a monster. so we're going to get into really weird territory here, but I'm going to bring uh, it up. Uh-huh. So I've been drunk with you numerous times, Craig. Uh-huh. And there used to be a Facebook group that you would bring up drunk. And I don't know why you would bring it up drunk. It was really funny. But you'd bring it up because you thought it was hilarious and it was really fucked up. I'm going to preference that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What was that uh, Facebook group? 
uh, it was called not being penetrated by a horse. And so when you liked it, you liked not being penetrated by a horse. <laughs> so if you didn't like that page, you probably enjoyed being penetrated by a horse. That's funny. Uh, coincidentally, I have a, uh, a friend who to this day will occasionally send me horse stuff because I talked about how creepy horses were because horses, you know, just they make me uncomfortable. I don't like them. And so she she occasionally sends me like pictures of horses and she's like, here you go. And it's like, why? Why would you do this to me? And so, uh, yeah. Uh, shout out to Amanda, who's still trying to make my life hell to this day. <laughs> uh, but I, so, you know, Marge is like, you know, really mad at Homer. And Homer's like, sounds like someone's angling for a pony of her own. And cuts into the kitchen and the horse is walking around and stuff. And Bart's like, hey, he's like, what the hell's going on? And Bart has every right to be upset. Only one child in the family got this $5,000 present. It's a pony to mend Homer and Lisa's relationship. So Bart's like, I want a moped. And Homer's like, ha ha, you still love me, so you ain't getting squat. I forgot to mention, when Lisa wakes up, she rides the pony into Homer and Marge's room. Oh, yeah. And did you guys catch what theme is playing when she rides it into the bedroom? I feel like I know it. It's it's in my head right now. But It's a very theme? iconic like Western yeah. song, but it's the theme to The Magnific- Magnificent Seven, the original film. Oh, yep. nice. Good catch. Did you guys... Uh, so Princess is voiced by someone. Do you know? Did you guys... I that? did I, see. I, I figured yeah. Craig was all about this for sure. Yeah. At, I, at least Craig would. Yeah. Would yeah. It. I figured Sean would too. Frank Welker yeah. is the voice of uh, Princess. Uh, who Frank Welker is uh, like every voice ever for like every character, uh, but specifically he's like Megatron in Transformers. Uh, he's Doctor Claw in Inspector Gadget, but he does a lot of animal noises. Like he was Slimer in the real Ghostbusters cartoon and stuff. He's and often he, Santa's little helper. Uh huh. Yep, yeah. Yeah. Pretty much any animal noise from any show <laughs> or TV he did. He does. Um, just to cover genres. I mean, if you're from the big into the seventies. He did Freddy from Scooby-Doo. Oh, he was Freddy as well? Yep. Uh, in the 80s, he did Megatron, like you said, from uh-huh. Transformers. Uh, in the 90s, he did Toka and Razor from uh, TMN, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2. Oh, the yeah. And then for the 2000 people, he did Nibbler from Futurama. Yes, he did. He was also the Gremlins in Gremlin. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty much any animal noise. In fact, on one of the Simpsons DVD commentaries, I don't know if it's this episode. It might be one of the ones with Santa's little helper. Uh-huh. They say, if you ever want someone to do animal noises, get Frank Welker to come in here and do it. Just get a lot of cash to do it. <laughs> yeah, he's he makes a lot of money. He's good at what he does. Also, he was the uh, uh, lions in Lion King because real lions were not powerful enough of voices. So what's Homer's plan about keeping this animal? Well, Homer decides, what is it? He's going to let it roam free through the neighborhood of the day and nestle in snugly between the cars at night. That's illegal. That's for the courts to decide. (laughs) So, I, you know, Lisa tells him that he needs to, you know, put Princess in a stable. And Homer immediately is like, that sounds expensive. And we find out that love costs $530 a month. And for no extra charge, Lisa's going to learn pronunciation. Oh, father. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nuts. There's a, a scene, though, that comes up. And it's kind of weird and out of place. It's not like it's bad, but I almost wonder if they put it in for filler. Grandpa plays a video game with yeah. Bart. 
Yeah, and the good old Atari VCS or 2600 for those who. <laughs> so I don't think. It. So I I was looking this up. So it's 91. I mean, uh-huh. yeah. So Atari 2600 would be out, but it's gray. The console had a little bit of gray into it, and it is still a joystick that they're using. So I think they were actually using the 7200 because mm-hmm. that came out um, already. You know, that would be out already. Yeah, that would have just been out. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's still a 2600 because there were the so graphics. many different variations of the 2600 mm-hmm. because the console itself actually wasn't made by Atari. You could get it made by other companies. Sears has their own version of it. My personal favorite looking system is the Vader. It's a dark black version of the Atari Ooh. with like black and red tint to it. So it could be a cheap knockoff Atari, which is definitely up Homer's alley. He buys... Sorny TVs and <laughs> magnet box. <laughs> magnet box. <laughs> Those are great brands. What are you talking about? I uh, Grandpa's like, what's a joystick? Uh, what's a Zyklon cruiser? And like, you know, he's like, Grandpa, you're this guy. He's like, what? I thought I was this thing. And he dies, and he says, "I got down on the floor for this." <laughs> yeah, it doesn't fit with the rest of the the, the it's, episode. It's funny because it's like I feel like they just wanted to sh- sort of like almost show just a scene of what's going on with the Simpson family and because it like pans out and we see Lisa walk up to Homer and she's like, dad, I got something for you. And you know, he leans in and she kisses him and she trots off happy as can be. And Homer's like, Oh, I thought it'd be, I was hoping it would be money. (laughs) So I'm wondering if this was actually shot for this episode or if it's just leftover footage that they've used to fill time. That could be, I mean, yeah, I could see this being used in a different episode. Because we've seen that exact same console out before when Homer was learning video boxing. Yeah. Maybe it was something that they like just sort of had sitting there and they were like, hey, we need an extra like 30 seconds of this episode. Uh, Barton, Grandpa playing a video game? Throw it in. You know, uh, they, they, we definitely find that they, they do stuff like that on occasion to kind of lengthen things out. So I wouldn't be surprised. Uh Marge is trying to balance the budget, though, and she's having a hard time. And, you know, she's telling Homer that, you know, they're just going to have to cut back. And Homer's like, you know, well, we buy all these vaccinations for diseases Maggie doesn't even have. And Marge is like, uh, how about you cut back on beer? And being an alcoholic, we see Homer go, no, we're not going to do that. And Marge is like, well, listen, you got us into this. You can get us out of it. And Homer says that there's plenty of money out there for a like man willing to work for it. And then he's like, hey, Marge, do you have any jewelry you don't need anymore? What a scumbag. Homer is like kind of king scumbag in this episode. Well, he gets worse in other episodes. Also, so mm-hmm. I'm look I've been looking up the Atari controllers. Oh yeah? And I'm leaning towards the twenty six hundred because yeah. the um 7800 had two buttons on it, and it only has one button on the joystick. However, you can use the 2600 joystick on the 7200 and the 5800. Huh. You can also use a Sega Sega Genesis Genesis. controller. You sure can. Or a Master System, yeah. Yeah, because it's got the same plug. Wow. That's weird. I didn't know that. Huh. Uh, So, Lisa loves her pony. Uh, She's, like, teaching it the joy of the salt lick. Touching moment, I suppose, for a pony she shouldn't own. Uh, Have either of you guys ever licked a salt lick before? No. No. I mean, I've... Me either. (laughs) Who would do that? Um, We actually grew up on a very narrow acre 
um, mm-hmm. the property my parents had growing up, and we had farm animals, so we had goats, chickens, and stuff. So we had salt licks for the goats, but no, I never had the urge to lick it. Yeah, who who would have that urge? Who would do that? Who would do something that stupid? <sighs> what is it like, Sean? Like a heaping bowl of salt. <laughs> Makes sense. Interesting. <laughs> they also have those rock salt candles that you can get at like Bed Bath and Beyond nowadays. Uh, yeah. My dad has one, and every time I'm at his house, I lick it when he's not <laughs> I, I don't know why. Do you put a lot of salt on your food? I, I like salt. I like salt a lot. I the saltiest thing I've ever eaten. Because the running I almost joke, had a heaping bowl of salt. <laughs> the running joke with my wife, Danielle, who's been on the show before, is she always just dumps salt on whatever she's eating. And it's like, oh, well, why don't we just give you a salt <laughs> block and put it on your shoulder so you can just lick it every bite. <laughs> that's, that's actually why I was drinking tequila last night, so I could have salt. From the can? Never mind. No, uh, no, you lick the salt off. The candle? Yes, the candle. <laughs> <laughs> so, Homer is is just desperate for money. So he goes into the, the quickie mart and he asks for a scratch off. And he's chatting with uh, you know Apu and he starts scratching. And he goes, Liberty Bell. Liberty Bell. And he's so close. And then he gets a cherry. And... So he covers it up with his thumb, and he's like, woo-hoo. He's like, I won. And Apu's pretty excited for him. And he's like, all right. He's like, congratulations. He's like, let me just see the ticket. And Homer's like, no. And he's like, Apu's like, give me the ticket. And he's like, no, 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 no. And they start fighting back and forth. And I'm going to do a really terrible impersonation, so forgive my my really really horrible voice as I do this. But he pulls the ticket away, and I love his de- delivery when uh, Apu is like, oh. A cherry. And he's just so offended that, that Homer would lie. Also, Homer and him should be friends, right? Like, they had a barbershop quartet together. <laughs> okay, so I'm I'm more bugged from this because I worked at a grocery store. I had to deal with the lottery every single fucking day. You don't pay out for $10,000. No, a $1,000 payment you can go to your lottery office for. If it's anything about $5,000, you have to go to the state lottery, which is in usually your capital. For us in yep. Michigan, we have to go to Lansing to claim those prizes. Yeah, so it's not something Apu Apu would not reach into the cash drawer for ten thousand dollars. They have to do a background check on you if you have any outstanding tickets. Those get paid off with your lottery funds before they award you any money. Oh, really? Oh, dear God, no! <laughs> yeah, it's like a whole thing when you get a winning ticket. That's yeah. There's a lot that goes into it for sure. The the lottery you haven't paid taxes in ten years. Uh oh. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> so. Apu convinces Homer to, you know, maybe get the job that he's asking, you know, about the help wanted sign, you know. And so Homer is going to take the midnight shift. And Apu drops a line that I'm not sure if it's low-key racism or, like, just him his disdain for customers. But he's like, finally, uh, like, the day would come when one of you would work for me. Yeah. And it's like, is that low-key racism or is that just him being, like, just kind of the cliche Apu gouging the prices and kind of being a jerk about, you know. I, I, took, it's racist, yeah. I took it as a racial yeah. thing. Okay, all right, yeah. Um, that's fair. I enjoyed it. So it cuts back to the uh, the stables. And all these guys are really, really crushing on Lisa, who's riding around on this horse. And one of the boys is like, she certainly tamed that horse. And then we get Ralph Wiggum. Who doesn't sound like Ralph. No, he's got one of my favorite lines that he ever delivers. Yes, but what man can tame her? <laughs> uh, by the way, my notes for that are just the word gross. So it sounds like Nelson. 
it does sound like. Nelson. And there's a rumor that Nancy Cartwright, who does the voice of both Nelson and Martin or yeah. uh, and uh, Ralph, uh-huh. um, was reading the script as Nelson because that's what it said on the script book. But then the animators were told to draw Ralph. Oh. But in the commentary of this episode that I was watching, Al Jean says that the script read for Ralph. So it might have been a Nancy Cartwright's mistake. Then why wouldn't they have said, hey, that wasn't the right voice? And just draw it as Nelson or something? Yeah, or, or, yeah. Just or just have told her to record the line. Yeah. yeah, or that too. So Maybe it was something where they couldn't record, re-record because she was like busy or something like that. No, That's no, no, no. She's yeah. in the studio like every week for this show. Yeah. They yeah. could say, hey, Nancy, we got we got to do pickup dialogue for that last episode. Uh, can you say yes, but what man would tame her as Ralph? But the, there's, so there's, I refuse. There's two, Ralph would never say that. Two reasons why I wanted to be on this episode. One is the Godfather reference, uh-huh. of course, as you know, an Italian. I have to be on the... <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to have to be on all the episodes where we have Luigi on uh, an episode? And Fat Tony? Yes. Hmm. No, we probably won't. Oh, okay. that way. <laughs> but also for this line, because I remember this uh, this bad audio from Ralph uh-huh. and always telling people, yeah, but you ever heard Ralph in the earlier episodes? Here, watch this clip. <laughs> That's funny. I uh, So meanwhile, Homer is dealing with the late night, you know, uh, shift and he's like trying to learn how to, to handle the, the job. And Apu's like, you know, each bullet wound is a badge of honor. And he's like, here's a tip. Take it to the shoulder. And uh, also in the background, did you guys see the the pricing? No. No. Ten ninety five for a carton of cigarettes. I looked online and. Oh, my God. That's cheap. Apparently prices are quite different throughout the country depending on taxes and a bunch of other stuff. But the average price I was getting for a carton of cigarettes throughout the country was roughly around $70. That sounds about right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Let's say it's going to cost you like 6 to 10 uh packet depending on which one you get. Yeah, 10.95 for a carton. In 2011, I went to New York City mm-hmm. and cigarettes were $18 a pack. Oh, wow. wow. Ah. No thanks. I'm glad I don't smoke. Same here. I'm also allergic. It's the only thing I'm allergic to in the world. Cigarette smoke. Uh, and love. And love. That as well. <laughs> uh, Apu uh, points out the th- uh, uh, ornamental hot dogs, which apparently have been there for three years. It says that there's only one idiot that comes in and buys them. And Homer's like, but I eat. Oh. Homer comes in late at night. And he, or I'm sorry, early in the morning after working all night. And he's like, the perfect crime. And it's like, what really, Homer? The perfect crime. You didn't go into bed. You didn't tell your wife what happened. And so Homer, you know, like comes in and Marge freaks out and he's like, oh, I did something I'm not proud of. And I want to, like, you know, I don't want the kids to hear. And Bart's just busted. And it's like, wouldn't you normally think that, like, he cheated or something? Like, is busted the word you want to use right there, Bart? But Homer's plan is that he'll work from midnight to eight, sleep for five minutes, eat breakfast, sleep six more minutes, shower, uh, ten minutes to bask in Lisa's love, and then he's off to the power plant fresh as a daisy. And then he immediately passes out, and Bart yells, oh my god, she killed him. Okay, I have a problem with this. As uh-huh. someone that works two jobs, uh-huh. it's very manageable. Yes. What is he doing after he gets out of work? That's what I was thinking when I was doing this research for this episode. He's got a good eight-hour scan if he's getting nine to five. Well, let's let's 
let's just throw this in. And I'm not saying that you're not wrong or you're not right. You're probably correct. But let's throw this down here. So he wakes up in the morning. Well, let's just go start at midnight. So midnight to eight. So he has to leave probably what around like 1130 at night. Yeah. So he leaves at 1130 at night, gets to the job. And then from, you know, until uh, eight in the morning, he then, you know, is working. 830, he gets home. You know, he then has that time to get to work, so yeah. he has to be there by 9. We'll assume at 9 o'clock, 9 to 5. 9 to 5. Yeah, 9 to 5. So he shows up to work by around 9. Well, actually, no, that immediately doesn't make sense, because if he's working until 8, he would have to leave probably what, like, he has tons of traffic to deal with. We see that in episodes. I mean, they're not that far from the cookie mart. Yeah, okay. It so probably maybe, is like a 7 to 10 minute drive. Okay, so so maybe only like a 10 minute drive. So so whatever, that's fine. So he, he makes it to work at 9. And the and the power plant's in his backyard, anyways. <laughs> Only if he hops the barbed wire fence, he's got to drive the full amount to work. So he gets there at nine, unless he goes through the secret tunnel. Yeah, <laughs> we haven't gotten to yeah, that. He doesn't yet. know that yet. So shut up, shut up. So so from nine until five. He would be working, but I would argue that he probably works until six because of the fact that there's an hour lunch, and I can't imagine Burns is giving a paid lunch. So nine to six is his full eight hours with the hour lunch. Heads home. That's probably about an uh, you know half hour hour drive or something. So you know he gets home by let's say with rush hour maybe six thirty seven. He then eats dinner. So that's like you know you know maybe we'll say eight thirty. So he's got from 8.30 to 9.30, 10.30, He's got about three hours to sleep there. Right? He could make it four. Plus, you're forgetting the six minutes he sleeps when he gets home from the cookie <laughs> <laughs> right, That's fair. I didn't look at it that way, Glitch. And the naps he takes throughout working at the Yeah, so he place. sleeps at work, too. Yeah, that's very true. I'll, I'll definitely grant you that. In fact, this episode started with him sleeping at the power plant. Well, it's funny you get there, because I think he's going to be doing that again here in a few minutes. So... Uh, we find that the Quickie Mart uh, Homer is eating jerky, drinking blue raspberry squishy, and Apu is not happy with his work. Uh, Lisa, uh, meanwhile, is playing the song Wildfire for Princess, which is a song by Michael Martin Murphy and also written by Larry Kanzler. Uh, it's a somber song about a woman who loses her horse in a blizzard and then haunts the singer. It's kind oh. of a creepy song. Like when you listen to Wildfire, it's, it's about a. Like, the singer's talking about how soon this ghost will come get him. It's kind of weird. I uh, There's some reused footage that you mentioned. Uh, yep. uh, Glitch, did you want to talk about the reused footage there? Um, so I have that Homer is sleeping at the plant again, and they reuse the same footage from the beginning. And it's Lisa calling him. Just a oh, tone. There's, there's a scene before that that's oh. reused footage. Oh, so what do you have? I missed that then. Fiesta Terrace for single living. It's the same exact shot from season one oh. when it cuts to Apu and he's like with Shauna Tifton, which shout out to Shauna Tifton. She doesn't come up that much in the series, but here she is. Princess Cashmere. Yeah. yeah, Prince, yeah. Uh, Who is sleeping with Princess Cashmere? Yeah, he's hooking up with her. Shout out to Apu. But yeah, it's the same. Uh, I actually brought up the image on Frankiac to compare it side by side. It's the exact same scene. Uh, and yeah, we also have Ned Flanders paying an exact change for Homer and not stealing because he's the nicest guy in the world. Yep. And Apu is like pissed and Homer passes out. Uh, but I, uh, 
Oh, and then he also drives home and uh, goes to Slumberland. Well, Lisa calls Homer to tell him how much she loves him. Well, he does go yeah, to so, Slumberland so, first. So, yeah, I jumped okay. ahead with that, <laughs> okay, you with that, that scene. With that. So, I okay. jumped ahead, yeah. Uh, yeah, so he uh, drives home, and he imagines everything is clouds, and it looks like Kirby's Dreamland. Uh, well, to be technical, it looks like uh, Little Nemo Adventures in Slumberland, which yep. is created by Windsor McKay. Yeah, that's what they used. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I, I didn't even think of that, honestly. Oh, yeah, it's a Windsor McKay reference, because Windsor McKay's comics would have been in the 1920s. Are you saying that uh, this Windsor guy uh, came out with his stuff before Sakurai came out with Kirby? Sakurai's always had Kirby. Always. He's existing the of time. <laughs> He's exi- they say that when the gods arrived in the world... Kirby was there waiting. Marx was the first god. <laughs> Forgive me, God. <laughs> Forgive me, God, for I have sinned. Kirby's just like, no. I. So yeah, Homer goes, gets home. Mm-hmm. He lays in bed. <laughs> how long do how long do you think uh, horses live? Glitch. Was it thirty years? <laughs> oh, I don't know. How, how thirty years? Yeah. yeah. So he lays in bed. The alarm goes off. He gets right up. <laughs> How long do horses live? Uh, about 30 years. Oh. And then there's the reused animation uh, glitch. So this is this is the, the yeah. scene you were thinking. Yeah, about. yeah. So Homer is sleeping at work. The phone rings and it's the same like him waking up uh-huh. from the dream with uh, a space odyssey. Um, and then it's Lisa calling him. But Lisa has the mumps. Yeah, she has puffy cheeks and she's wearing a different robe from earlier. And this scene, oh, that uh, 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 image always stuck in my, out in my head. That is the first animation, uh, reused animation I've noticed ever in The Simpsons. Because I was like, man, why does Lisa have puffy cheeks? And it's from the, the episode Bart's Dog Gets an F. She got the mumps again. For like five minutes. Poor uninoculated girl. <laughs> <laughs> so, I... Uh, the uh, it, it cuts to the nighttime, and Homer's you know getting ready to leave, and uh, well, maybe we can kind of figure out the time he's leaving because uh, Bart and Lisa are watching the Johnny Carson show, uh, and for some reason Car- Johnny Carson's joke is like I heard that uh, Millie Vanilli was arrested for impersonating a McNugget. <laughs> and then, like, uh, uh, Ed, McMahon. Ed McMahon is yeah. laughing, and Bart and Lisa just look at each other, and they're not, not finding it funny, and Bart's like, well, it's still fun staying up late. So that show would have been at 11 o'clock, right? Yeah, and that's his opening monologue, so that would have been been at the beginning. You should have been, like, 11.30, because your local news would be on at 11, and it would be after. Oh, Johnny Carson's show would have been 11.30? Yeah, there's typically the 11 o'clock news. I, now, I, I don't remember watching Johnny Carson back in the day, so that could be. Hmm. But I felt like the wasn't The Tonight Show like always at 11 o'clock? No, uh, The Tonight Show's always been at 11.30 because you always have your local news first. Oh. Interesting. Why am I misremembering yeah, that? Yeah, for some reason I thought that... Uh... Jay, Jay Leno always came on at 11.30. Okay. Interesting. Huh. I... In fact, Jimmy Fallon still comes on at 11.30. Oh, okay. Because there's your local news at 11, and then it comes on right after. I mean, the local news at 11 does make sense. You know, I I, I remember news at 11, so. Yeah, so you're sitting at, like, 1140 is when he's leaving. Yeah. 
Oh, but uh, for anyone who had no idea who the heck Millie Vanilli was, they were a German R&B <laughs> duo from Munich. Uh, the group was founded by Frank Farian in 1988 and consisted of Fab Moravan and, Moravan and Rob uh, Pilatus. Uh, if you were curious who Millie Vanilli was. They were fantastic singers. Oh, they were the best singers ever. Weren't they like lip syncing? Yep. Like, yeah. That's yeah. the joke of the impersonating the chicken nugget. <laughs> oh, wait, what is the joke? Because I didn't get the McNugget joke. It's just that they were impersonating something because oh, they weren't singing, they were lip syncers. I see. Why a McNugget, though? I don't know. Right, I didn't write enough. the joke. It's even, Barton Lisa, yeah, <laughs> even Barton Lisa didn't uh, think it was all that funny. Uh, so Homer goes to like leave, and Bart's like, where are you going? And he's like, going for eight-hour walk. And then he gets out to the car, uh, and like when you know Marge is like kind of like Homer, is everything all right? He's like Homer, sleep now. Smashes his like you know uh, 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 steering wheel. The airbag pops out, and Homer goes to sleep. And Lisa finds out that ponies are expensive. And I love that Bart is like poor guy. He's like, where is he working? And Marge is like the Quickie Bart, and he's just like, <laughs> and he starts laughing and just loves it. I. Uh, so Marge tells Lisa, you know, you have a choice. You can either keep the pony and, like, your dad will keep doing this to, to himself or you can give it up. And Bart, of course, is like, I can make her give it up. He's like, give me five minutes alone with her. And Marge says, no, no, no. Like, this is just, you know, for, for Lisa to decide. And Lisa says, all the years I've lobbied to be treated like an adult have blown up in my face. It then cuts to... I. Uh, Homer and Bart at the Quickie Mart, and Lisa's watching from outside, and uh, Bart's just like, you know, fill it to the top. Like, come on, hurry it up. And he's like, yes, sir. Coming right up, sir. <laughs> but I, I have a question for you guys. What, why, why is it day? Why is Bart? Well, it could have been 8. It could have been like 7.30. That could be. Yeah, because I thought about that, too. Yeah, it could be early in the morning. Because Homer's very tired at this moment. It could be still right before he gets off. I could yeah, all could right. Could be before school or something. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, I, I'll buy that for sure. Before daylight savings. I. Uh, and uh, Lisa's devastated, but she goes to the stables, and gives up Princess. I hope that she also got a refund. But you know that's not really specified. And the the stable master, this older woman, uh, says that, you know, though there's like no change in my facade, I assure you my heart is breaking right now. As Lisa, you know, is like, you know, princess loves to listen to this music and she loves a carrot and blah, 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 you know. <laughs> and, and this lady, I'm sure, is just not going to do what Lisa says. Maybe she didn't get the money back. Maybe that's the scam that this lady's running. She's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, you want to get your little girl a pony? Come on in. Get a pony. We'll uh, take it back in a couple months. Yeah, maybe. Who knows? Uh, so yeah, they make all their money from the stables. That's yeah. probably how it works. Yeah, uh, so they just sell the horses at cost, and that's how they make their money is the stables. Man, that's rotten. So uh, Apu goes to Homer, and he's like, "The young man you replaced is rolling over in his grave." <laughs> I love that line too. <laughs> and Lisa comes in and says that Homer doesn't have to do this, and Homer's like, "You see, honey, there's this thing called money." And Lisa says that there's a big, dumb animal that she loves even more than that horse. And Homer says, oh, no, what is it, a hippopotamus? <laughs> she says, I, I mean you, you dummy. 
And so Homer tells Apu to take this job and restaff it. And uh, he rides off with, you know, giving Lisa, like, you know, horsey back ride, yeah. back ride or whatever. And uh, they, you know, run off into the sunrise, I suppose it would be. Yeah, it would be the sunrise at this point. Yep. So this morning. Sun's been rising for a while for the record, but that's fair. All right. Listen, when you work retail, the sun rises forever. <laughs> uh, fair enough. And then Pooh delivers what is my favorite line in the episode. Oh, now we'll get to your favorite quote in a moment, because first oh. I want to talk about the lasting impact that this episode had. Let's do it. What do you What do you guys got? Because for me, uh, the lasting impact is that Lisa had a pony. Like, this is the first, like, let's get the kids a, a new pet or new animal episode, which we'll see repeated with Bart in a more extreme sense later when he gets an elephant. And when he gets a horse. And they actually make reference to that. And when he gets a, uh, another dog. Oh, yeah. 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 There, there's plenty of episodes there. And the other uh, big thing is that this is another one of those episodes where Homer has another job. In fact, this is an episode where it uh, is in tandem with his current job. You know, because in the uh, previous episode you were on, uh, Dance and Homer, he rep- he takes a leave of absence from the nuclear plant to be a mascot. Yeah, it's the first time he got a se- second job. This is a second job on top of what he already is dealing with, uh, which we'll see him do in the future as well. Uh, what's the lasting impact for you guys? Yeah, pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. I mean, Homer gets another job. It's kind of, you can see the creators do that whole, like, all right, so we have a character, Lisa. All right, well, what, is, what does Lisa want? She wants a pony. Well, let's give her a pony. So it's just yeah, kind of so like that 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 we have a character, what's their flaw, what's their, you know, their want, their, their passion, desire, yeah. and then we'll just give it to them. So the lasting impact for me is that I learned that the world is cruel and I will never own Sprinkles, my pony. <laughs> uh, I bought a pony and gave it to a rendering plant. You did it in front of me. <laughs> I just wanted <laughs> Sprinkles. I let you name it. Now we got this glue. <laughs> I'm going to stick so much <laughs> stuff on other stuff. <laughs> so I tell you what, though, uh, guys, Glitch, you uh, well, actually, before we get to our favorite quotes, uh, let's just go give a real quick rundown uh, for a few things here. So I, uh, uh, you know, remember that you can support Noiseland Arcade if you uh, go to Gamezilla Media. Uh, we're a part of that you know, Gamezilla Media Network. So if you go to patreon.com slash Gamezilla Media, you'll have uh, uh, the ability to support the show. And for $5 a month, you get access to uh, Smartline, where we have a bi-monthly show. We uh, cover random topics. But another episode or another show on the network is a show you're a big part of, Glitch. Why don't you uh, lay that on us? Yeah, so I'm a member of The Legend of Retro. Uh, Craig is also one of the hosts on that show, as well as Chops and Xander. We go through uh, retro games, talk about the history, the music, and we also do like retro relapses. So we also have a show that uh, you can get on Patreon. So if you are a five dollar member and you get the uh, Smart Line, mm-hmm. you can also get our Game Shark episode, which comes out monthly, uh, where we'll cover up topics, uh, old things that we did, magazines, things like that. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, uh, great to be uh, uh, bringing you on for uh, another episode of uh, Noise Lane Arcade. It's always uh, fun to chat with you uh, about you know anything really, let alone The Simpsons. Uh, but I tell you what, uh, let's go ahead and dive into our favorite quotes of the episode. So, what do you have uh, for yours there, uh, Glitch? So, mine was at the end of the episode as Homer walks out into the sunset with uh-huh. Lisa. A poo looks sunrise. Up, sunrise. Sorry, <laughs> a poo looks and says, "He slept. He stole. He was rude to the customers. Still, 
There goes the best damned employee a convenience store ever had. Sean, <laughs> <laughs> what do you got? So we've already discussed mine, but I absolutely love. Yes, but what man can tame her? It's so awkward. Mine is a, a, a quick conversation between Mr. Burns and Homer. Mr. Burns, you do this personally? Oh, I'm not in this for any personal gain. Heavens no. By the way, are you acquainted with our state's stringent usury laws? Usury? Oh, silly me, I must have just made up a word that doesn't exist. Mm-hmm.